Welcome to the latest episode of Start, Scale and Disrupt. My name's Christopher Goodfellow and I'm editor of Business Zone. Uh, today we're going to talk about the future of the tech sector in the UK. Uh, so the importance of incubators, the availability of talent and how it's really not just about London anymore but we're seeing a fantastic amount of investment in places like Edinburgh, Birmingham and even where we're at here in Bristol. Uh, so we'll be having the chat with uh, Gerard who's the CEO of Tech City and fantastically well versed to, to talk about the subject having spent three years at the helm of that organisation. Uh, so let us know what you think if you if you have a moment. We have a comment section below uh, or you could tweet us at Business Zone. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for joining us today, Jared. Thank you for having me. Uh, so yeah, just thought it'd be great to start off by sort of introducing your role as CEO of Tech City and kind of what that involves. Sure. Yeah. So my name's Gerard Greck. I am tech, I'm CEO of Tech City UK. We are an organisation that's very much focused on accelerating the growth of digital, the digital economy here in the UK. Our job is to create a pipeline of high growth tech businesses, and we do this through programs that help businesses grow their businesses, but also we issue reports that uh, generate thought leadership and we generally champion the UK, both nationally and internationally. We have offices in London and Manchester. Okay, and in, in terms of the program, that's that's things like the, the Future 50 and the, the Visa Scheme and things like that. Yeah, so you have, you have uh, entrepreneur-focused uh, programs like uh, Northern Stars, which is showcasing the best of Northern-based businesses across the North uh, at seed stage. Then you have Upscale, which is a mid-stage uh, mentoring program. Then you have Future 50, which is a booster program through summits and workshops. And this is complemented by a visa scheme that we run on behalf of the Home Office dedicated to digital technologies. We also have an annual publication called Tech Nation, uh, which is showcasing the best uh, hotspots around the UK. So we have a number of programs that are dedicated to different to, to different things, but mainly our job is to sort of continue accelerating the growth of the UK's digital uh, economy and also ecosystem. Right, and it's really interesting to see you highlight those kind of scale-up programs as well as the startup stuff, because I think that you know over the last sort of three or four years we've seen a huge increase in the number of incubators and I really feel like the area that needs the most development from, from what we hear from founders is that kind of scale-up space where you you know you're getting into that kind of 30 40 employees and growing fast and the kind of uh, support around that journey or that part of the journey I suppose yeah that's right I mean I, I did so that's why we have upscale and obviously future 50 is more late stage but upscale is now over a year old and that's very much focused on entrepreneurs who have turned over either half a million pounds and therefore have product traction or service traction or have raised at least a million and are about to kind of scale and expand their operations, product, culture, team. So that's where they need probably the most advice perhaps from other people who have done it before. And that's what's working really well because obviously for some people, they're first-time entrepreneurs, and any help and advice they can get as they grow their businesses is very valuable. I should have mentioned, actually, that we, uh, even before all this, we've got, at uh, the very beginning, we have the Digital Business Academy, which we've done in conjunction with UCL 
and uh, Cambridge University Judge Business School. And that's where we actually, in fact, have you know, 14,000, over 14,000 students in training. And the people that complete those courses, uh, one in five go on to start a business, a new business, and actually another one in five actually find a job uh, in a digital business. So it's all about, you know, it's all about managing a funnel uh, across the UK. <clears throat> Okay, and just briefly before we get on to kind of the Tech Nation report, I mean, could you give us a quick summary of your own background? I understand you kind of worked in telecoms, and it'd be useful to know kind of what in what context you came into this role. Yes, that's right. So uh, I've got 16 years of digital media experience, basically designing, concepting, and launching digital media products from you know music streaming to video streaming across. Uh, multiple platforms, IPTV, mobile, web, fixed line across three continents and done that in London, Paris and New York, uh, for Nokia and Orange and, um, and even before that, I was still in digital media but in a different form, I was a journalist and uh, before that I started out in the music business after leaving and graduating from university in engineering acoustics, believe it or not. So yeah, so it's so it's technology essentially, and this is probably my first role um, in a in a cross technology and government role where tech and policy converge, uh, but still delivering value for the entrepreneur and their exec team. So it's an it's a very it's a very unique organisation, Tech City UK. Uh, because of where it sits between government and the tech community. Brilliant. Okay, so let, let's go on to kind of one of the reports that you mentioned earlier there, the Tech Nation, and it's a fantastic amount of kind of data and case studies and, and one of the most comprehensive reports out there. Um, it's interesting that you pointed out kind of at that point, and that was before we knew about the, the general election, the need for kind of certainty and and also the the, the sort of emphasis on getting the right skills in and into the industry and particularly uh through immigration. So I just wondered if there's anything you could say there around kind of visas and and what the uh, the UK's tech entrepreneurs need need from um, whoever does uh, end up in power on that front. Sure. So you mentioned uh, being one of the most comprehensive. We believe it's the most comprehensive. <laughs> uh, I mean, you basically have a thousand data points uh, across 30 cities around the UK. And this is actually based not only on two, over two and a half thousand actually 2,700 completed surveys, but it's also looking at uh, quantifiable metrics from uh, ONS, GitHub, Meetup, uh, PitchBook, Burning Glass. So a number of, a number of, um, a number of uh, data indicators. So it's a, it's a real mix of quanti uh, qualitative and quantitative data. But yeah, so what came out uh, was that uh, tech investment in the UK reached uh, 6.8 billion pounds in 2016. Um, actually, investment across the UK, uh, sorry, across Europe was slightly down, but nonetheless, the UK by far attracted the most investment, um, almost three times our closest friend, uh, France. Um, and uh, it, it just goes to show how much momentum has been built up over the years, even when you look at the amount of invest, investment over the last five years, it reached something like 28 billion pounds, which is very, very significant. Again, twice the nearest uh, friend, uh, France in Europe. So I think what we say in the report is that 
uh, we have momentum and you know we're clearly optimistic about the momentum that has been uh, achieved so far but we mustn't be complacent especially given a brexit uh, as we you know start e exiting out the EU, uh, out of the EU uh, we want to make sure that we continue uh, building on the momentum that we have and you know brexit will obviously bring both challenges and opportunities and 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 what we noticed Oh, you know, what I've noticed over the many years that I've been doing this role, where this is through the third year, but clearly talent and investment are critical to the continued growth of the digital economy. And we, we indeed run a visa scheme for uh, the Home Office called the Tech Nation Visa. And we've actually seen record number of applications coming through since Brexit. And November and March of 2017 being two of the highest months we've had in, 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 a, in a couple of years. And we are certainly receiving more applications than ever before. Now, this could be, we don't know exactly why, but we've, we've certainly done, a, uh, we've, we've been doing a very good job of making sure people are aware of it. But um, clearly the US election might have had an impact on why we saw a record number of applications in November. Um, but there's clearly quite a lot of political shifts going on across the across the globe. Um, but generally speaking, uh, the, 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 obviously we're obviously not very far from uh, the next general election. But government has certainly been listening, actively engaged in through a number of roundtables, and is very much aware of the need for uh, talent and investment. And so even when you look at the Department of Culture, Media and Sports uh, announcement of their digital strategy, you know, skills and investment was right up there in terms of priorities. So again, this report is really there to inform not only entrepreneurs looking to build businesses across the UK, but actually also policymakers. Right. But taking it back to that immigration uh, or visa point, though, I mean, we, we could face, uh, you know, an increase in the immigration skills charge. Um, they're saying 60,000, or the Tories are saying 60,000 a year by 2022. Um, so although they're kind of, you know, maybe saying the right things, I mean, there will be a kind of very real, potentially, uh, you know, immediate cost to, to entrepreneurs and in, in tech companies that want to bring these people in. I mean, how... I, you know, you can say they're listening, but are you really seeing the kind of concrete stuff that you want to hear? I think it's a it's a, it's certainly a, a, a challenge for the next administration, given the general sentiment to some extent in the country. Yeah. And, and also given the Brexit vote that happened last year, we don't know what the specific reasons. You can never really sort of say the exact reasons as to why people so many people voted Brexit. Uh, we clearly in the tech community obviously wanted to stay in the EU because well, obviously we, uh, many of us see benefits. But I think now, to some extent, we're going to have to recalibrate and reset how we see ourselves and, and what is it that we need to do to ensure that the, um, the, you know, we continue to attract the best and brightest talent with the best skills possible for what businesses need in order to continue growing. So whether that's an algorithm engineer or a UX designer or a CFO that's taken a tech company to IPO, these are, these are very scarce skills that, you know, we need to continue attracting to the UK. So we, we really sincerely hope that the next government is very much aware of the fact that 
this is not the, just a digital economy and therefore it needs to be um, uh, you know, kept in a privileged bubble. Far from it. What we are saying is uh, actually the digital economy will become an integral part of the economy and that you know, we need to future-proof what we've achieved so far. So um, again, I, 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 and then I think there's been more and more news stories about great companies either exiting or raising unprecedented amounts of money, uh, improbable being one from over a week ago. Definitely, you know, all the parties are noticing it um, and are very much, I would say, trying to, ba it's a balancing act for them between what, you know, what we, what we experienced last year with Brexit and, and what the future holds for us to continue growing this economy. Okay, and going on to kind of the what, what's happening across the UK, and I think it's it's brilliant to see the level of investment outside of London and, and kind of some of these clusters, um, including in, in Bristol and Bath, where, where we're based, uh, become really strong centres for entrepreneurship. So I just wondered if you could kind of talk a bit about uh, what what's driving that. Why are so many of the top uh, tech clusters now outside of London, and, and kind of what's the future for those regions? So this is our third publication. So we've been on this path for a little bit of time. I remember the first Tech Nation report was certainly uh, hard work in the sense that uh, people were sort of asking as to why it was needed. But we've certainly feel we've come a long way, and you know we've we've not only seen um, increases in the number of jobs. Uh, across the country, but also in, in increase in the amount of uh, the fact that these are high-paying jobs, and clearly for some for for some constituencies, it's a tough call, right? Because in some in some cases they've been known for another industry, and of of course there's a lot of change going on. And how do you start to decrease the amount of prioritization that you give to an existing or an older form of industry? to a newer form of industry. So what I think we've done with Tech Nation is made MPs as well as local councils very much aware of this growing and burgeoning industry uh, that could help them uh, seize upon to generate more jobs. Um, and you know, tech is touching everything. It's, it's, it's very much become an integral part of our lives and that innovation could come from anywhere. Uh, we, however, do argue that innovation, digital innovation specifically, comes from even more denser places. So urban urban cities is where we see a lot of innovation. So if you take Edinburgh, where you have seen, uh, it's obviously got a very strong university, it's got a very strong informatics department, and we have seen companies like FanDuel and Skyscanner come through which is actually, you know, these are, you know, these companies are role models for the next generation of Edinburgh-based companies. They look to them um, with envy, and that is what partly drives their passion and their energy as well. So when we were there, so we actually did a tour uh, around the country on the back of the report launch, and one of our events took place in Edinburgh. And, it's in, and we found that actually it's very important to have these companies uh, that they can look up to. In other places, they're still coming through. Uh, so we also visited um, places like Birmingham, uh, places like Liverpool, uh, places like Newcastle. And the fact is that, as I said, technology is touching everything and, and, and universities have a role to play, local councils have a role to play, local developers have a role to play. 
and there's just more and more attention uh, being drawn into this industry as it continues growing. And as I said, every city is at a different stage of development. You know, so if you take at you know, if you take Bristol, there's a strong robotics um, landscape because of your laboratories there. But there's also a lot of history to do with car making. Uh, Rolls Royce is not far from Bristol, and obviously, Internet of Things is quite a uh, an area of growth. So there's more and more recognition and awareness of the opportunity that digital uh, that digital innovation brings, and and for that reason, uh, people are investing more. Right, and you, you, it's great to hear you mention universities there as well, because you know we've worked with a lot of kind of local incubators and and even universities across the country that kind of actively work not just support their startups but kind of promote them and, and get them out there as well. I mean, how how have you seen that that change in in terms of the involvement of the universities and, and where's that going in the future? Yes, and I think some some universities are approaching it slightly differently for good reason. So if you take uh, Manchester Metropolitan University, you know they've opened up a space where they attract corporates, entrepreneurs, investors to uh, mingle and 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 through programs that they're running. Uh, in other instances, uh, we've seen Southampton University, alongside the Web Science Institute, launch a fund between the university and the local economic partnership. These are part of the local councils. And so they're putting a fund together that will help uh, commercialize ideas coming out of you know PhD students from the university. Uh, there are models like Cambridge University model, which obviously is very heavily invested in helping graduates uh, with access to networks. Um, Edinburgh University has got an informatics department that is very closely knitted with the community and the co-working spaces. So I, I think we've seen a lot more, let's put, it, let's put it this way, you've seen a lot more universities lean in, even Bristol, in fact, I know you guys are based in Bristol, but Bristol University Research Park um, has taken a space out in the engine shed near uh, Bristol Parkway Station, and it's it's this it's through this collaboration that you're seeing between um, academic institutions and the more the entrepreneurial scene coming together either through programs or events, um, and we've seen a lot more of that right across the country. <clears throat> Okay, and in terms of investment, it's great to see in some of your editorials that you're advocating kind of smart capital and the ability of entrepreneurs to get backers uh, that, that are either in their industry or can or can help them because of their networks uh, and, and existing expertise rather than just purely because they're getting the cash. Uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about kind of why, what, what, that, what that tells us about the ecosystem and, and, and the, the availability of those kind of mentors. So yeah, so I think the, the 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 good news is that we've seen record amounts of funds being set up, and these are not fun. These are not just funds set up by ex bankers or come specifically from the banking industry only. There's a real um, shift in what we're seeing, where um, we're seeing increasingly amounts of funds that are now being set up by ex-entrepreneurs or uh, ex-people who have worked in the digital industry. Uh, so Sweet Capital, which is xking.com, um, Atomico Ventures, which is xSkype, uh, Kindred, 
so that's people who helped build some digital businesses in, the, in London that exited recently. Uh, so you're seeing um, more and more funds that really understand what it is like to build a digital businesses a digital business because we we are seeing unprecedented growth in not only in the number of companies but in in the speed of the growth so a good example is deliveroo uh, which three years ago four years ago it was a handful of people they're now over a thousand people now this is staggering growth you know, being able to hire a thousand people, over a thousand people in the space of four years is is pretty unprecedented in the history of commerce. Same with Farfetch. You know, Farfetch were 50 people in 2013. They're now 1,200 plus, co-located in multiple uh, destinations. So when you when you find that actually you've got investors that not only have the money to invest in the next generation of entrepreneurs, but also the experience, and therefore they have advice and mentoring capability, that's very much welcomed by the next generation of entrepreneurs. Um, and it's good news, it's good for the, not only for the people now, but for people in the future as well, as the ecosystem becomes more and more robust uh, in, its, in its density and in its success. <clears throat> Right. And finally, we see that, as you mentioned, again, the report mentions a, a really rapid growth in this area. It's growing at 50% faster than the rest of the economy, uh, lots of job creation, which is fantastic. But outside of tech, it's these, these kind of changes and in innovations are rippling out and affecting other jobs and other sectors. Um, I just wondered if you could, in kind of summary, say maybe one of the biggest kind of changes you, you, you see tech making out of the, site, the sector for good and then anything that worries you and particularly on, on the latter point what you think about uh, the sharing economy and the kind of some of the bad press that, that's been around those kind of disruptions and innovations in that sector. So that's right so the, the 85,000 new jobs created last year uh, the digital economy growing twice as fast as the wider economy uh, clearly there's an evolution happening. There's an underwiring infrastructure change that's going on, and we're, you know, we're as a country ensuring that we're staying competitive with the changes that we're seeing, because obviously it will affect the not only the current workforce but the next generation of of people working in this sector. Um, I think I think that's the that's the secret though is to stay relevant and continue. Uh, moving with the speed of change that we're seeing. And obviously, it's not just economic robustness, it's also economic resilience uh, in the face of change. And no doubt, you know, I, what I would say is that with Brexit must come opportunity. But uh, there, is, there is a recognition that technology is a tool, though, and, and therefore it is there to be harnessed for the greater good. And so you know, I, I was very happy to see the launch of a new incubator. Not that I've seen any of it, any of it of its kind around the world, but it's a new incubator that's launching in London later on this year in October. And it's it's an incubator specifically targeting um, to deal with large scale social issues. Um, and again, this is what's good about technology. So yes, I I I, I understand your point. Um, are there other costs to change? Yes, but but there's positive and negative. 
And I think there's a real increasing recognition that technology has an impact of all sorts and, and that we must do everything we can to ensure that we're using it in the best way possible and not just for the sake of more technology and technological change. So the, this incubator is a good example of how they've been looking to bring in academics, designers, programmers, even policymakers, architects, uh, to help solve social issues. And the first one, the first mission they're focusing on is called is is on uh, mental health in women, for example. Um, it's called Zing, if anyone's interested. But it, yeah, I think I think there's a real recognition of that because I think if you spend quite a lot of time in Palo Alto or the Valley, for sure. Everywhere you look, it's tech and more tech. Whereas here, I think you've got the great, the right combination of looking at the world through a tech lens, but also through a human cost lens or a policy lens that actually tries to make sure that we're smoothing the path to change through the changes that we're seeing and that we're taking into consideration multiple views as that change happens through technology. Brilliant. I will have to leave it there, but thanks for joining us today, Jared. Thank you very much for having me.